0: Hi, everyone. Just before we get going, I want to remind you that everything we talk about and discuss should not be considered as investment advice. The purpose of what we talk about on Catherine Murray Media and Markets on YouTube, as well as Catherine Murray in Conversation With on my podcast, should be viewed as informational and entertainment purposes only. Please definitely do your own research, your own homework, and definitely consult an investment professional before making any investment decisions. And also to note, some of us might hold positions in some of the stocks uh, that we discuss. Hi, everyone, and welcome uh, once again to the Top 5 at 5. I'm really always thrilled to be able to bring you um, great guests uh, to hear their views and their top ideas Um, Today, we have John Mayer. He's the Chief Investment Officer over at um, Global X ETF, which is a New York-based ETF provider. So, John, welcome. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And, uh, John, we should first say that you are actually down in Florida, in Miami, at probably the biggest ETF conference and probably the first time in two years. Uh, Give us a sense in terms of what's going on there.
1: All I can say is it feels great. You know, we all have been in our echo chamber for the past two years on zoom calls. It feels so good to be back in person, uh, seeing friends and colleagues throughout my career. And it's just a great way to collaborate, think about um, the future. Um, But I think in person is way, way better than zoom. Uh, That's just my take on it. So it feels good.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people hear about ETFs. Most people know about ETFs to a degree. But, you know, we also uh, almost have to step back a little bit to, to get some perspective here. And, and this has been your industry. You are an ETF veteran for sure, Merrill Lynch before your current firm, and um, building these, these ETF portfolios. Give us a sense in terms of why somebody would has, have been looking at them because the, the industry has exploded. I don't even know the size of it today, but, um, but obviously there's been a lot of interest. Why is that the case?
1: It's, it's a big industry, uh, still smaller than mutual funds, though. Um, and the best way to describe an ETF is uh, a mutual fund uh, that trades on an exchange. Uh, they're largely index funds. So you know the constituents that make up that index. And the reason they don't trade at a premium or discount is because the, the, the traders know the underlying components within the ETF. Now, there's some advantages of having... Uh, an ETF versus a mutual fund. Typically, uh, ETFs don't have a meaningful amount of capital gains. That's not an absolute statement, but for the most part, that's because of the in-kind redemption as well as there's some management that goes on within the actual ETF. And it it trades on a daily, uh, throughout the day. So there's liquidity. Uh, You you don't have to wait till four o'clock to get your price like a mutual fund. You can sell it through the, throughout the day. And that is appealing to many. But mm-hmm. still, the industry is a bit it's smaller than the mutual fund industry. But I, I, I say that will change over the next few years. Hmm.
0: What is the size
1: of the industry? I don't have the exact number: uh, 7 trillion. Um, don't quote me on that,
0: though. I, w- I won't. That's be, just... that's,
1: that's, that would be the it, US.
0: <laughs> it's trillions, it's also not billions. A um and and then also too depending depending the um the the expense ratio the fees are are tend to be much lower
1: well it it, yes overall the fees are lower um and you know a index fund that replicates the s p 500 could be just a a couple basis points
0: right um but i guess importantly and we're going to talk about this today and your ideas um that if you do buy the ETFs that have themes surrounding them, where there's more perhaps research and diligence that goes into what constructs that basket of stocks that represent the ETF, um, those do have higher fees than your traditional index ETF.
1: Yeah, okay. well, well, some if you look at, at our suite, uh, the thematic ETFs, whether it be cybersecurity or cloud computing, or video games, and esports, they're still index-based uh, products. So an index is constructed based off those underlying themes and the revenues that are derived uh, from companies related to those themes. Okay. explore so, so index ones.
0: And, and John, let's, um, let's get your top down view right now in terms of how you're thinking about investing and, and why you like certain areas of the market versus others. What, what's your overall view right now?
1: Well, right now, we are in a period where I think investors, and we've talked about this in our quarterly outlooks, investors should focus on fundamentals, quality, and valuation. I think those are key consideration for inclusion in a portfolio. Uh, we expect the first half of the year, um, and you know we're a few months in, to continue to be volatile um, as markets navigate higher commodity prices, uh, slowing in economic growth, potential shocks, and also, we're shifting to a higher yielding environment. We know that the Fed is getting more hawkish and they're increasing short term rates. And that's going to impact borrowing costs for companies. So, we, we are suggesting that investors focus on companies that are, have strong profitability, that have uh, good cash flow, and that can pay a dividend um, and a growing dividend. So, we think that is very important in the current environment.
0: Do you think it was interesting this morning um, we did have the latest reading uh, inflation reading under the United States uh, and it was a, at a forty year high and it was interesting though, to see the yields come down on that and the market the equity market rally I mean you know we'll see where the day ends up, but um, can, and maybe the whisper number was higher, but can you explain that and, and the reason why I'm asking as well is because can can you have a higher interest rate environment and equity, equities continue to do well? And, or do you think that even though we know the Fed needs to play catch up, do we then think that there will be a policy mistake and the market's already pricing and the fact that they're gonna to have to back down?
1: Well, uh, let's, let's unpack that and start, start with uh, infla- uh, the inflation numbers that came out today. The headline inflation number, uh, 40 year high, 41 year high, Uh, 8.5%. But what the market is reacting to is that when you strip out food and energy, the monthly number was 0.3% and the market expectations was 0.5%. And there's indications that inflation has peaked. Mm -hmm. So the market got more optimistic today. I don't know where it's exactly trading at this exact moment, but uh, the market did pop early this morning. So the market is, is looking for good news. Um, and if inflation has truly peaked, that's that's a positive. Um, I still think the Fed is going to continue on its path. It's the, this Fed, by nature, is more dovish, but they know they have to fight inflation. It's a certainty. Um, they have to get this under control. Some of the unknowns, though, continue to be uh, the war in Ukraine. Now we know that Europe supplies—I mean, Russia supplies Europe with about forty percent of their energy needs. Now energy prices are already elevated. Uh, what if something happens with either either Russia or Europe decides to cut off that flow? Um, we would expect uh, energy costs to go up and that in, impacts the entire world because the energy market is global um, and that would feed into higher inflation as well. So there's still some unknowns that are out there mm-hmm. but the Fed needs to continue on its course um, and potentially they'll have some tools uh, at some point in the future to fight a recession.
0: And John, just speaking of Ukraine, um, for everybody to, to know that you were in the Peace Corps as a volunteer uh, in Ukraine, give us some perspective.
1: Sure. I mean, it was a long time ago. Uh, I wasn't even, even involved in uh, finance at that point. So I could speak to the, the people. I lived with the Ukrainian family for three months before I was placed in Kiev um, for my work assignment in the Peace Corps. And I could, the people were so nice. Um, They didn't necessarily buy into some of the rhetoric that the propaganda that uh, was fed to them by the former Soviet Union, Union. Um, they loved everything American when I was there, and this was, you know, in the the late 90s, and they were just nice, hardworking people that um, were very nationalistic, they loved Ukraine, and that's evidence, evidence of it, you can see right now how hard they are fighting to stay independent, so It's Mm -hmm. so sad what's going on. My heart's with them. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of um, what is going on in Ukraine and in Russia and, um, you know, some people have called this the first crypto war um, because of the need to help help people in Ukraine through crypto funds because central banks are cutting off. You know the amount of money that people can take out of the banks etc limiting funds capital flows um, we're also of course in conjunction with that concerned about cybersecurity um, which is one of your themes so talk to us a little bit about this is one of your ideas that you bring, bring to us today and, and obviously there's a lot of focus on it um, how are you looking at it
1: Well I think cybersecurity is a really important theme to include in a portfolio particularly now first of all from Just looking at the performance, cybersecurity in aggregate has done rather well, considering it's a more growth momentum type strategy. Uh, I love the business model. It's a recurring revenue business model. The market loves recurring revenues, uh, companies that have recurring revenues. So that's a positive. And there's just a lot of potential growth associated with cybersecurity. Uh, There's public and private sector responses to some of these uh, cyber, um, uh, cyber crimes. And there's, uh, there's a need by companies to protect their data. And over time, I believe that it's gonna be mandated that companies um, protect their data. I think the Solar Winds hack was a call to action for many co- companies as well as governments uh, to protect data. Data is gold and it needs to be protected behind a virtual fortress. Now, also over the past two years, we've been working from home and if we, Uh, there's less reliance on enterprise networks and there's more reliance on the cloud. And again, that data needs to be protected. And there's, in the news um, yesterday, um, there was a deal announced that um, uh, Tomaroma was purchasing SailPoint. And SailPoint is um, focused on identity um, protection. And that company got a, a good premium in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we're just seeing a lot of M&A activity in general. There's a, a continue of this trend of building building off one-shop solutions. So what you're seeing is that many cybersecurity companies have one product, but a company or a person or a government may have multiple needs, uh, network security, identi- identity security, and with this M&A activity, you're seeing some companies kind of building uh, various products within their product suite, um, which is what clients want. Instead of a patchwork of solutions, you're having kind of an end-to-end um, solution, which I think is, is really uh, important and is place, placing greater focus on this industry.
0: So the ETF um, that you and your team have um, is called, or the ticker is BUG, Bug. It it's very clever. <laughs> uh, and and what 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 kind of companies are in that?
1: So within Bug, you have a SellPoint, uh, you have Palo Alto Networks, you have um, uh, Checkpoint Software. I mean, there's there's many different companies in there, CrowdStrike, mm-hmm. and they're they're all benefiting from the current environment. I think it's okay. important um, to have to be exposed to this sector.
0: Let's talk about another um, top idea that you have for us, and that is looking at high quality dividends and dividend growers. Um, What's the name of the ETF that you have on that front?
1: It's the S&P 500 Quality Dividend ETF. The ticker is QDIV. And this this ETF yields about a little over 3%. It's what I talked about earlier that we're focusing on quality companies that can uh, grow their dividends companies that can navigate this uh, supply chain um, backup that we're experiencing right now is really important and quality dividends i think it is an important inclusion in the portfolio for the reasons i, I talked about earlier fundamentals quality and evaluation um, this is an equal weight portfolio um, it does have a, a good amount of focus on energy, you have Exxon, you have Chevron, you have Conoco within this ETF, uh, so that the ETF certainly has, the performance has certainly benefited from the move up in uh, energy prices.
0: Which sectors, though, are you expecting will actually grow their dividends? I
1: I, th- I think um, some of these energy companies will certainly grow their dividends. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I do think, and they're also likely to, uh, you know, because of um, strong cash flows, they'll they'll likely put this into kappa X. And hopefully some of these energy companies will actually build out their green green energy options over time. So there could be a positive um, in terms of, I I know that there's a a big push towards greener energy over time, and these are oil companies. But um, I think that's a positive um, in terms of uh, the cash flow generation, higher revenues they're experiencing right now.
0: Yeah, uh, they de- they definitely are. And, um, you know, I think the question, of course, is what will they do with the cash flow? And will they really return it to to the shareholders and or, you know, buy back shares? I mean, because if, if we really think about it, they've been under, at least in Canada, um, you know, the energy sector, and I'm sure in the States too. I mean, it's been vilified for so many years now and that's why they haven't made the investments. That's why we've got a shortage of, of supply. And, you know, it's not something that they can turn around quickly. And so I just, I don't know if they're going to, But they're in such a great position now because of their cash flow. So it is going to be interesting to see what companies do with it.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, the the war in Ukraine really brings to light that countries need to be energy independent. The U.S. is largely energy independent, but it's dependent on fossil fuels. In Europe, it it was Europe is a leader in ESG, but uh, they're still very reliant on energy, both oil as well as natural gas from Russia. Now there's other options. There's nuclear power, which comes with some controversy, but is technically green. And then there's solar and wind, and that's going to take a longer time to build um, enough energy to become energy independent. But I think it's important, and I hope the world doesn't forget. But we're still in it right now, and uh, the revenues and cash flow generation is high. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping for the best on this one.
0: Absolutely. Um, let's look at your next uh, idea for us, and. It it, it it factors a little bit different versus for Canadians, um, but it's an MLP ETF, so Master Limited Partnership. Talk to us a little bit about what that means and, and why it's been so popular from an income perspective in the United States.
1: Sure. Um, MLPs are high-yielding instruments. Uh, this MLPA, which is the fund that we have, yields uh, a bit over 7%. Mm. And in the current environment, uh, they're benefiting from rising oil prices. Um, so let's, let's, as well as um, their position for rising interest rates as well. So let's take rising oil prices. Um, they can benefit from the increased production uh, and the ramped up production where, from the, the loss of uh, Russian energy. So that, that's, the, that's approximately 3%. Uh, the US has been producing a, about 11.6 million barrels per day and production is being boosted. Exxon Mobil plans to increase their production in the Permian Basin by about 100,000 barrels per day this year. Chevron is, is also laying out plans to increase their production and higher oil prices and the Russian shortfall could allow the US en- energy infrastructure companies to consider raising CapEx to increase production to keep up with the rising global demand. Then you have the I believe that MLPs are well positioned for rising interest rates. So compared to other sectors um, with significant exposure to physical assets, MLPs are well positioned. Uh, They're also highly correlated to rising interest rates. And also the nature of midstream contracts allows them to pass through fees to customers. So there's an inflation adjusted component uh, within MLPs. So I think that's, that's important as well. So MLPs are certainly benefiting from Um, this current energy situation we are with higher energy costs.
0: So just to step back for a lot of Canadians who might not know MLPs per se, um, it's basically energy, we should think energy infrastructure.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way uh, of looking at it. You think about there's different pipelines and there's like kind of tolls to get to the next one. So you have these, you have a pipeline and it's owned by one company and then it's, uh, that to enter into another pipeline, you have to kind of pay a toll in a sense to get into that next pipeline. Um, they're structured as an MLP or taxed as a partnership, um, and the M- ML- then they're put into the ETF. They're put into the ETF, and then the corporate taxes are paid within the ETF structure.
0: So historically, um, it, because of tax treatments, it, they really only ever benefited. Not to talk about tax. Um, you know, they really benefited Americans more so than Canadians. Uh, I don't know if those tax treatments in the United States still stand in terms of the income that gets a little bit more protected for, for an American.
1: Well, you, within the, the MLP, you don't get the, necessarily that advantage of, uh, of the corporate tax, but because it, it's paid um, within the MLP structure, the benefit is that you don't have to get a K-1, which a lot of um, folks don't like.
0: Okay, but it's interesting that the yield is is still a nice seven percent for uh, anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, despite what's going on with interest rates, despite the fact that you know interest rates haven't really risen much on the short end, um, they've the, the Fed has increased rates twenty five basis points so far. I believe they'll increase fifty basis points in uh, in May as well as June. But it's, yield is still hard to come by. If you look mm. at your Bank account, it's paying virtually nothing. Yeah. Uh, So a seven
0: percent yield is 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 gold. Is there what what's the risk to to owning MLPs right now? I mean, certainly that
1: there's a correlation. If there's uh, you know energy prices go down meaningfully, um, likely MLPs will go down as well. Um, It's not necessarily likely that the dividends will get cut, um, but you're potentially at risk of your your principal in terms of.
0: And, and to what degree, like what, what kind of volatility have they seen historically?
1: They, um, I don't have the exact numbers here, but, um, you know, MLPs can go down meaningfully with the market. Um, they're not um, immune to market volatility.
0: Okay. Um, John, just to wrap it up here, just some, some parting words, parting thoughts in terms of the, the market. It's been a tough start to the year.
1: It has. Um, it certainly has. And uh, growth and momentum has been hit. Um, largely because it's adjusting to the expectation that interest rates are going to rise. Now, if you look at the long end of the curve, the 10-year Treasury has moved out meaningfully, um, and the short end of the curve likely will, uh, will um, as the Fed increases short-term rates. So I think the market is reacting to higher interest rates. The market's also reacting to higher in- inflation, rather high inflation. Um, and there's also supply chain bottlenecks that we uh, still have to to focus on. Remember that China, um, portions of China are still in lockdown uh, or have rolling lockdowns because of increased COVID cases. Mm-hmm. And that can exacerbate the supply chain issues that we've experienced, um, leading to higher inflation. Um, there's been this tremendous amount of demand and the supply there's been a, a big supply issue. Um, and that's certainly leading to the inflationary concerns we're experiencing. And that's why we, we've been talking about focusing more on fundamentals, uh, focusing more on quality, uh, a bit more towards value. But there are pockets of other areas like cybersecurity, which I think makes, make a lot of sense. And with the market reaction um, kind of uh,
0: validates that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John, great to be with you today. Thank you very, very much for your insights and enjoy Florida and a real conference.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Bye-bye.